Hi there. Thanks for joining me on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong and healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 265. I am recording this on November 2nd, 2023, and this episode will go live on November 6th, 2023. And I just have to tell you, I am a daredevil because I am recording this particular episode in my house and my dog is nearby. The dog walker could arrive at any point in time. So this is really daredevil podcasting. I may end up having to cut part of this out uh, so that you don't hear all the commotion, but I just, um, I just, I'm going to try to go for it. So I want to start out, you know, it is the beginning of November and with Every month, there is that just that natural ebb and flow throughout the month of energy. And at the beginning of the month, it's a great time to capitalize on the natural energy that is just kind of baked into the first week of the month to work towards your goals, to get stuff done, to, to finish that project, to um, attack that problem or address that problem you have as a yoga teacher. You know, October 1st would have been a good time to do it. September 1st would have been a good time to do it, but there's no time like the present. And so I wanted to start out by asking you, what are your goals for the rest of the year? And please don't tell me it's holiday season and you can't focus on anything but the holidays. Because if it's not holiday season, it's going to be back to school. If it's not back to school, it's going to be the beginning of the summer. If it's not the beginning of the summer, it's going to be tax season. If it's, You know what I mean? Like there's always something. And I think I might have started out the last episode with a similar message. Um, but it just it just continues to stand as as what I believe is a really valid message when it comes to moving forward as a teacher. I mean, I get a lot of emails from people who say, I'm always into growth and I'm always into learning. You know, that is aspirational. And I think that that's, it's like nice words, but it doesn't have any specificity to it. I, you know, I can say I'm always into growth and I'm always into learning new things, but there's no direction behind a statement like that. That is just such a global general way of being that without the teeth behind it, to solve a problem or to create a shift or to cause a transformation, it's just words, right? There's just no urgency behind a statement like that. It's sort of like, I can just sort of sit in the bookstore and just read a bunch of books, but is that going to give you the result you want? Is that going to cause the transformation that you so very much want to happen in your life as a yoga teacher? 
And, you know, honestly, I had a, I had a conversation the other day with someone who uh, I'm working with, uh, not, I'm actually working with this person as a subject matter expert. Um, so I have hired him and he is uh, a longtime editor for a very widely known publishing company. And I was having a conversation with him about the transformation that people have, not everybody, I know I've gone through it. I know other teachers um, that have gone through it that ex that experience a shift not only in their way of being when they teach, but in their way of being as a person when they really take on what they need to take on so that they can be an excellent yoga teacher. And I don't say excellent from a standard that I can hold out there and say, oh, this teacher is excellent. This teacher is not. Excellence is a way of being. And oftentimes, quite honestly, and in today's world more than ever, I mean, there's an expert on TikTok born every, every single day. <laughs> so, you know, again, excellent expert. It's all sort of up for judgment, up for grabs. What's more important though, is do you feel excellent? And so when we say excellence in this context, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about an objective measure of excellence, although I could make a really good case for what are the ingredients of an excellent yoga teacher. But here, what I'm talking more about is, you know, you as a yoga teacher and and what you're striving for. And I hope you're striving for excellence because if you're not striving for excellence, you're just kind of languishing in mediocrity. And I don't think that's what you want, but oftentimes for yoga teachers, they don't know how to get to excellence. And so that's part of the problem. It's like, well, no one's showing me how to get to excellent. They're just giving me a whole bunch of hours. I need to check off some list and supposedly that's going to make me excellence. And I've already done 200 and 300 hours and I don't feel very excellent. So what am I missing? So part of what uh, I was having this conversation with this person about was the, the idea that as we tackle the things that we need to, if we're willing to, as a yoga teacher, we actually end up transforming who we are. Because of course, we're the same person. When we go in and teach a class, we bring all of that stuff about us to that way of being, to that act of teaching. And if we've got issues around our perception of ourself, our identity, our self-worth, our value in general, we're going to carry that way of being, that mindset into the classroom, into the studio, and it's going to come across through our teaching. A backwards way though to look at it is that because that is what happens, if we tackle those problems, if we tackle those mindset limitations in the context of being a better teacher, the really amazing, uh, wonderful thing is that we actually transform who we are because we're the same person. Just like your students come into your class and it's not like they get magic dust sprinkled on them when they walk into the studio and all of a sudden become flexible and mindful and all of that, they bring all their stuff with them to the mat too. And so do each one of us as teachers. So when we have the courage to do the work, to be a better teacher, the amazing side effect is that we become a better person. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. I don't mean a better person in terms of like outward impressions of us. I mean, within you and you, 
that you feel better about who you are as a person. I can certainly say over the years, I have taken on so much internal work in the context of being a better teacher. And it's made me a better person in my own eyes. I have more peace in my life. I have more confidence in my life. I have more clarity in my life. I know my purpose in life. I know where I'm going. And all of that is through work I've done to be a better teacher and a better entrepreneur, a better business owner, someone with a super clear mission. And that kind of clarity and that kind of transformation is what's possible for you. It is absolutely possible for you, but it won't happen when we walk around, you know, saying like these super common things, like I want to be, you know, I'm always into learning, you know, like that again, doesn't have any specificity there. So I challenge you here on November 1st to make a list of how you want to be better as a teacher, knowing that the side effect is that you're going to be a better person for doing that work. You know, when I have calls with yoga teachers and they're thinking of enrolling in my program and they either say no, or they say maybe, or they just don't say yes, it's never about price. It's always about something that falls into this bucket. I'm afraid of what my husband will think, or I don't really have support for my husband, or my husband thinks I should have figured this all out when I took my 200 hour training. I don't really want to, you know, I don't think I'm worth spending time away from my family to invest in this training. I don't think I'm worth the money for this training. I don't think that I can do this training. I don't think I'm ready for this. I'm not sure where I want to go next as a yoga teacher. Like, All of these things, all of these statements are a reflection of a problem. And it's a problem that is in part, um, you know, the mechanical kind of rubber meets the road problem, strategic problem, and also a mindset problem. You know, feeling confused, feeling unsure, feeling unworthy, feeling unclear, feeling ashamed, feeling not worthy, feeling less than. You know, these are all problems of the mind that affect how we show up as a yoga teacher. So that's why, you know, when I work with teachers, the transformations that they go through on the path to being a better teacher really help them feel better about themselves. You know, I don't hold my program out as a self-help program, but in a way, as we strive to be a better yoga teacher, we are going to be a better person in our relationship with ourself. Between me and myself, I have a much better relationship. And you'll have that same relationship too when you're willing to take on the work that you know you need to do, that you know you need to do, but you're hesitating. And the reason you're hesitating is 100% your own. Um, but it all sort of falls in the same category of all fear-based hesitations. So I just really encourage you, you know, don't fall into it's holiday time. That is a narrative. Don't fall into, I have so much to do. That is a narrative. All these things are beliefs. A lot of these beliefs are perpetuated by things outside of us. You know, I turned on the TV last night, November 1st, Christmas commercials. I said to Ben, absolutely not. I am not buying into this mode that now all of a sudden we need to be thinking about Christmas and spending money and all of that commercialism. I'm not doing it. Like the outside world can continue to perpetuate this messaging, but I'm not buying in because I control where my mind goes and I control what I do. 
and I control what influences me. And you can do the same thing. So if you feel compelled to get some things done, if you feel like you're at a point on your in your teaching career where you, you need to make some changes, don't put it off until January, because guess what? Everybody does that. And do you want to be like everybody? Or do you want to be the person who rises up and walks into the studio on January, absolutely crystal clear, full of mission and purpose and knowing exactly what you need to do? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? So that's where I'll leave it. You know where to reach me. If you want to talk to me about where you're at and you want to make some shifts, send me a DM on Instagram and let's talk about it. And I'll see if you're a yoga teacher, I can help. So today, what I wanted to talk about is two things. Number one, I want to talk to you about sequencing. And number two, I want to talk to you about a specific technique you can use to start to unravel some of the problems you may be having um, at the end of your classes when you sit back and start to think, oh, that didn't go so well. So I'm going to start with the second thing, and then I'm going to end with the sequencing thing. So I had a conversation with one of the teachers in my program, and she's been trying to work towards teaching by doing what I call the walk and talk. Now, of course, I didn't, I don't claim the phrase walk and talk. I've actually heard it recently in a bunch of different contexts, not yoga teaching, but I use it in the context of yoga teaching to describe a way of teaching where you're not practicing with your class. You've probably heard me on many different episodes of my show where I talk about this as the ideal way to teach your students, where you're walking around the room and helping them because they can hear you better, you can see them better, you can build better connection and all of it. Keeping in mind, of course, this isn't binary. This isn't one or the other. There may be times you choose to practice with your class. There may be certain spurts within um, a 60-minute sequence where you do a little bit with your class. But the predominant mode of you as a teacher is doing the walk and talk. And so this particular teacher uh, is transitioning to that way of teaching. She wants to do it. She's been doing almost the entire sequence with her class prior to enrolling in my program. And this is one of the things that we're working on. And so after she taught one of her classes the other day, she was feeling badly because she ended up practicing some of it with her class. She got to a certain point in her sequence and she, she got back on the yoga mat. And so when we had our momentum call, which is what I call our coaching calls, when we had our momentum call, I, she, she shared with me what happened and she shared with me how it made her feel and how she felt when she went back onto the yoga mat. And what she described is that she felt badly. And so what I asked her, and this is what I want you to look for when you have these experiences where you teach a class and it doesn't go well, this is what I want you to, to do. I asked her, what was the situation? What was the catalyst? What was the trigger that caused you to go back into practicing with your class? And she sat and she thought for a moment and she said, you know, I started to feel like I was going to get lost in the sequence. And I got nervous that if I got lost in the sequence, I would make a mistake and I would feel silly. And so I went back onto the yoga mat and started practicing with them. And I want you to recognize how powerful this is because now she's driving the story. She's no longer just in the story, like a victim, feeling badly, blaming herself, wishing she could be better, making it mean something about her. She's now being an experimenter, being an observer, being someone who's assessing objectively what happened so that she can identify that problem and fix it. 
This is very different than when yoga teachers sit around and moan and groan about how things are not going their way. This is what I see in Facebook groups all the time, this whole list of grievances. This isn't working and that isn't working. And people are just tossing all sorts of suggestions at teachers. And what is that person supposed to do? How are they supposed to know which way to go? So this is a very unique approach and a very specific approach to helping you improve as a teacher. And it's designed to help you identify exactly what the problem is. So in this particular situation, the problem is that she is worried she's going to lose her way in her sequence. So when I look at that from the outside, what I say is, well, it sounds like your sequence may be too complicated and it's difficult for you to remember it. Yes, that's the case. Well, the solution is let's change the sequence and make it easier for you to remember. Okay, sounds great. So you see, now we have an action plan that we can implement. And then we go in to the next class with a with you know something that's more honed down to what this person can remember. And we see what happens. And if we do go back on the yoga mat, we don't blame ourselves. We don't make it something wrong with us. See, this is the other thing that I notice in a lot of teachers. They have a desire to show up in a particular way. And when they don't show up in that way, they make it mean something about who they are. And this identity-based quality is what becomes very problematic because that's when you start to really hate teaching because you feel badly about how you're doing. And, you know, this is sort of the thing that like children experience in school, but we're experiencing this as adults. And that's why it's really interesting when you look at it as a construct of the mind of a child, but we all experience this as adults too, because we, as yoga teachers, and this is sort of part of the conversation I had with this, this editor is, you know, there's something baked into yoga teaching that makes it very triggering for people. You know, they, they have a certain standard in their mind about how they want to show up for their students. And when they don't hit that standard, they feel badly and they make, oftentimes they make it about them. Like I didn't show up the way I wanted to show up. I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy. And that's where it gets convoluted into something about who we are as people. And this is where the teaching can really start to take some turns and, and you end up resenting teaching and not enjoying it. So in this method that I'm teaching you, it really takes all of that emotional charge out of the experience. And you're simply looking at it almost like a teacher looking at how a student's doing in class, very objectively without the emotion. Okay, you went into class, you had an intention of teaching this particular sequence using this particular method, the walk and talk. You found that halfway through your class, you ended up practicing with your class. What happened before you got on the mat, practicing with them again, that caused you to do that? You felt nervous that you were going to lose your way in the sequence, and you knew if you got lost in the sequence, you'd feel silly. Uh, okay, great. So now we have an assessment of what happened. The solution we're going to try is we're going to pare down the sequence to make it simpler to remember, and then we are going to um, go into another class with that pared down sequence and see what the result is then. The other piece of this though, is to look at that belief that if you lose your place in the sequence, you're going to feel silly. 
or not qualified or whatever might come up for you. And I want to really challenge that because yoga teachers have a lot of beliefs and they have a lot of beliefs about consequences, like what's going to happen and, and what people are going to think. And a lot of those things, actually all those things are beliefs and we can start to poke away at them because in reality, you've been in a class, I've been in a class where a teacher has made a mistake and the sky did not fall and the person continued on teaching and no one in the room really thought much of it. But our perception as a teacher is we can make that such a big deal. And it's really not a big deal, but in our minds it is because we hold ourselves to this standard that only exists in the yoga teaching world. This doesn't happen with personal trainers. This doesn't happen, I don't think, with Pilates teachers. It's just sort of part of the yoga teaching like mythology that we have to be these like perfect people that are showing up, doing everything perfectly. And the pressure that I see people that have lived lives with a lot of serious things that have happened in their lives. And yet going in and teaching a bunch of people, this practice is just incredible pressure to them. So this is what I mean. My observation of how people react to teaching yoga is borne out by all these teachers that I work with in my program. And I find it so interesting. And I can certainly vouch for it because I felt the pressure too. And that's why I say there's something about stepping into a room and leading people through a yoga practice that has as part of that whole process, this perception of pressure that this perception that it needs to be perfect. And in today's world, this perception that it needs to fit a certain way, that if it doesn't fit a certain way, there are going to be consequences when in reality, there are no consequences because there's no yoga police. There's no one in your room watching what you're doing. The students in your class really don't care, but we build all these things up into these like high pressured situations. And that's oftentimes what blocks teachers from showing up and being authentic. It's what blocks teachers from just going in the room and teaching the class. It's what creates this pressure that they need to practice with the class because, oh my God, with all this pressure, of course, I'm just going to hide on the yoga mat in my practice. I'm, there's just way too much. The ante is too high for me to just stand there and talk them through it, right? Because I've built this up to be such a big thing. So maybe some of this is hyperbole. Maybe you don't feel exactly this, but I can definitely tell you there are teachers that do because I work with them. So I'm not making this up out of thin air, but this is all degrees, right? This is like, you may have a little bit of this. Somebody else may have a lot of it. There's a lot of new ones involved. What I'm here to tell you is you can depressurize all of these experiences around teaching yoga so that you can go in there and show yourself and be yourself. And through that being authentic, you can um, really be there for your students and really experience the joy of teaching, right? Who wants to go in and teach a class and feel all this pressure on themselves? Nobody. So now that we've talked about that, and I really hope that you take advantage of doing that assessment uh, after you teach a class and maybe you're not feeling very good about how it all went, do the assessment. If you're having difficulty doing it, send me a DM on Instagram. I'll listen to the scenario and we'll do the assessment together. 
All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is I want to spend five minutes talking to you about sequencing because I'm hearing way too much that people are getting lost in their sequences and they're having all these fears around getting lost, all the stuff we just talked about. So now I want to just spend five minutes talking about sequencing. Number one, I'd be willing to bet your sequences are too complicated. I'm just gonna say it. I'd be willing to bet your sequences are just way too complicated. And I want you to ask yourself right now, why are you making your sequences so complicated? And I bet what you're gonna say is, I think that's what my students want. And I promise you, if you fully believe in the sequence you're teaching, it will be what they want because you're gonna teach it with such conviction that they're gonna love it. It's when we are loading our sequences with complicated poses and complicated transitions and all these words out of this perception that that's what they want, that it makes it really difficult for us to execute. And this is where all these fears come from. Like most of the time that I hear this kind of stuff from teachers, they set themselves up for it. But it's not their fault. It's because all of these perceptions come from this outside narrative in the yoga industry. And they're just following what they think they should be doing. And I honestly think when I have these conversations with teachers, with my straightforward approach, with my no BS approach, I'm the only person in the world that's ever talked to them like this. And for so many teachers, they're just like, oh my God, talking to you, it's just like a weight off my shoulders. You mean I don't have to make my sequences complicated? No, you don't. You mean I don't have to put complicated poses in my sequences? No, you don't. You mean I don't have to use complicated transitions? No, you don't. You mean I don't have to cue to the breath all the time? Inhale, lift the leg, exhale, step the foot forward? No, you don't. Like, honestly, you don't have to do any of it. And if doing it is making you crazy and is causing you to trip over your words and practice the whole sequence with your class and think you have to do it because of some outside standard, why? Why? It's just creating this pressure-filled situation that you don't need to buy into. You are in control of what you offer your students, just you. So if you're practicing with your class because you can't remember the sequence, that's on you. That's not on any outside person who owns yoga making you do that or the person who trained you, or the school that trained you, or the magazine you read, or the Instagram story you saw, or the YouTube video you watched. There's no right way to teach this practice. There's how you wanna teach it. And the best way you can teach it is when you can own it 100%. And by owning it, I mean, walk in the room, don't put a mat down and tell people what you want them to do. It's that simple. So obviously I'm talking somewhat in extremes, but I'm doing that to make a point because I need sometimes to talk to talk in extremes to cut through all the layers and layers of stuff that you're hearing and to show you how beautifully essential it can be. And when you are willing to try it. You are going, I promise you, you are going to feel relief and connection and purpose and clarity like you have never felt before. And you're going to say, oh my God, 
I need to do more of this. <laughs> so a couple of seconds here on sequencing. I just gave you the overarching framework for this discussion. The next thing is let's look at it strategically at the, at the ground level. Let's talk about this in the context of a 60 minute flow. I don't care if you're doing a peak pose, if you don't have a peak pose, I'm not gonna get into all that. I sort of think all that's bullshit. So I'm not doing that. I'm basically saying a 60 minute flow. You have a 60 minute sequence. All I want you to do is just think about what's the point of the sequence and what poses are going to reflect that point. And that's really it. I mean, I have a sequence building template I can send you. I have a sequencing video I can send you. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, do you know what the point of your sequence is? And do you have sections of the sequence and poses in each section that reflect that point? So that's the place to start, number one. Number two, forget about complicated transitions. Forget about complicated poses end of story. Number three, think about, especially if you're someone who feels like they get lost in their sequence all the time, think about just simply teaching the poses. Come in, child's pose. Stand up, forward fold rag doll. Hands on the floor, step back to downward dog. Lift the right leg, lift the left leg, walk the feet forward, sweep up to standing, hands at the heart, sun A, three times, sun B, three times. Crescent lunge, uh, I don't know, triangle, whatever. You see where I'm going? Like literally that simple. Now, if you're listening to this and all your beliefs are coming up, oh, can't do that because of this, can't do that because, that's on you. All I'm asking you to do is to be willing and to be an experimenter. Because let's face it, if you can't be willing, then you shouldn't even be a yoga teacher. Because a yoga teacher by their nature is willing to try new things. Like we're in the business of encouraging people to try new things, to try different things. So if you're listening to this and you're shutting off, then just don't bother listening to the rest. But if you're willing and there's a part of you that's willing to try like this is what's possible for you on the path to transforming as a yoga teacher. But if you want to continue to hide on the yoga mat and you want to continue to practice with your class all the time, and you want to continue to have fear about getting lost in your sequence, then stick with your complicated sequences. If you want to continue to believe that your students need you to teach something complicated, then keep doing what you're doing. But I'm just here to tell you that a yoga teacher that teaches um, a simple, essential sequence with conviction is way more powerful than someone who practices a more, quote unquote, complex sequence with their students and doesn't know what the hell they're doing. So this is your opportunity to go back to the drawing board, look at your sequence, be willing to look at your beliefs around them. And you know, this again, if you're teaching and everything is great, then good on you. I'm talking to you though, if you are getting tripped up in your sequences. And so if you are, here's your path forward. If you're unsure how to take it, send me a DM send me a DM, like don't sit out there by yourself. Like this is the kind of thing that makes me mental. I get DMs from people and I write them back and they just disappear. <laughs> like 
you wrote me for help. Like I've said this before, I can't make you pay for anything. If you talk to me and we end up talking about my program and you don't want to enroll in my program, don't enroll. I can't get your credit card out of your wallet. But again, like if you've reached out to me on Instagram and I've reached out to you in response and then you've disappeared, I oftentimes think that maybe you don't want to engage with me because you're afraid I'm going to sell you my program. I can't sell you my program. I can only tell you how I can help you. If you want to enroll, that's completely up to you. So all these episodes, hundreds of episodes, hundreds of times I say, DM me on Instagram. I know you're listening to this and I'd probably say I probably get less than 10 DMs a year from teachers. And I just can't believe that because I have almost a hundred thousand downloads at this point. So sitting there by yourself, trying to figure this out is not going to solve it. Reaching out to me and having like a real conversation is going to help you solve it. And that conversation is free. So that's, that's all I have to say about that. Um, and the reason I get riled up is because I am so passionate about helping you. I am so passionate about helping you. I mean, people write me emails and they go, oh, Karen, thank you so much for the work you do helping teachers. I don't have a choice. Like if I had a choice, I'd be doing something else, but I don't have a choice. And I'm glad I don't have a choice because I love what I do. And I love that I look at the work of teaching yoga so differently than just about everybody else. I love my unique perspective. I love that I see things differently. And I love communicating that with you because I've seen how communicating that with other teachers frees them to teach in a way that is so closer to their way of being and so much more effortless. And that's what I absolutely love about what I do. So with that, I hope that you found this episode helpful. I hope that you have been inspired. I hope that this has given you some ideas for your teaching to put into place now, not in January, not in December, but this week. If you have any questions, you are going to DM me on Instagram, right? Tell me what your questions are. I expect to get lots of DMs from this episode. Okay, I'll talk to you on the next episode between now and then. Have great classes, be yourself, be willing, be curious, be open, and I'll talk with you soon. Namaste. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all the prep time you most likely are doing, getting ready for class, drop practicing with class, and instead do what I call the walk and talk, drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, just DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram, and I'll tell you how I can help you.